Every person in this room, everybody watching online, we have fears and phobias, things that are just scare us to death. Now, I did a little research this week on the most common fears that people have. Um, and I've heard this, but it was kind of interesting to see this. Um, the most common fear, in fact, number one on most lists, and some of you could probably guess it, it's what? Public speaking. Dying was actually number two. Dying was number two. There are people that would rather die than to get up and give a talk. How many people are like public speaking? That's what you're scared of. Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. See, if you're really scared, you didn't raise your hand. You know why? Because you know I'd call on you. Hey, why don't you come up here? We're going to get past this fear. We're going to work it out. Um, they, they, all of us have fears and phobias. And, and if you um, are scared of speaking, I'm, I'm going to give you a little tip on speaking today. I, I learned this because I'm a student of communication. I, I watch good communicators. I read books about communication and speaking and preaching. I watch, I watch YouTube. I watch improv comedy. I'm always trying to figure out what that person did that was effective. And so I want to give you a little tip. And this is, this is what they, they actually taught me this in college. Anytime you're given a talk or a or a sermon, or a lecture, or whatever, you need to start with something that pulls everybody in and gets everybody on the same page, and everybody's just kind of nodding their head. Now, Jesus was the best at this. Jesus did it better than anybody. They would ask him a question. He would start to tell a story, and they'd be like, okay, okay, we're there, we're there. And then by the end of it, he made all the religious people mad, but at least he got them all in on the same page. So what I'm going to do today is the opposite of that. I'm going to make a statement and you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. It don't matter to me because after this message, I'm going on vacation, okay? I would be, <laughs> but you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. This is the statement. I love America. Yeah. I really do. There's always that one. We're in church today and won't hear about Jesus. Well, you came to the right place because we've never had a Sunday where we didn't talk about him. In fact, we didn't have a, we've never had a Sunday where somebody didn't ask him into their life. We, we're going to talk about Jesus, but, but I love America. And, and it, it's kind of becoming unpopular to say that. So the more unpopular it gets, the more I'm going to speak about it. I mean, but think about it. If it wasn't for America, we wouldn't have chocolate chip cookies because they were invented in America. If it wasn't for America, we wouldn't have cheeseburgers. That's true. We didn't invent the hamburger, but we threw some cheese on it. That, that's what we do. We, we just made it better. If it weren't for America, we wouldn't have Little Debbie. Mm -hmm. During COVID, Little Debbie became Big Debbie for me. That's what she became. Like, that's why I had to why I stayed away from Big Debbie, all right? But, but we, we, I love things about it. I love songs about America. I love Back in the USA by Chuck Berry. I love Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. I love God Bless the USA by Lee Greenwood. Like, I think I've covered all generations right there. I love our country, which is why it bothers me that we're, we're not, it doesn't seem like we're the United States of America right now. It seems like we're the divided states of America. There are so many people. We're fighting over things. Personally, I'm, now I'm 51. I've never seen it this bad. We're, we're We've got politicians who have people and we talk about each other, but nobody really sits down and talks to one another. And if we spend all of our time screaming about how evil other people are rather than sitting down and actually having conversations, it's just gonna get worse. Now the church, the church has played a role and I think how bad it's gotten. Now, let me, tell you, let me tell you how I think we've played a role. And I, I want to confess being guilty of, of this first part. The first thing that we've done is we've just remained silent about it. We don't talk about it. Like, like we, people come into church and we want to we walk away. This is what I love when people go, man, that was deep. You know what deep means? I don't understand a freaking thing you just said. That's what deep is. Talk to me, Pastor P, about the, the trichotomy and the dichotomy of the spirit. Anybody thought about that this week? Anybody? 
the peccability, impeccability issue of Christ? Anybody wrestled with that one to the ground? No, but you thought about your gas prices, didn't you? Now, why is it we can't talk about gas prices in church? Because that's not spiritual. It's actually, it's actually more spiritual than you could ever imagine. So, so we've remained, the church has remained silent because, and here's why, here's why. People get so offended. There are people offended right now, and I hadn't even started the message. A few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, y'all remember this? Y'all remember, y'all remember when I made fun of white people? I said, white people are stupid because there's always white people out there filming themselves, chasing a tornado or hugging an alligator. A white person <laughs> came at me. You can't, I was like, I'm white. <laughs> white people getting offended at white people, that's crazy. But let me tell you why we've been silent. Let me tell you why we've been silent. There's a couple, couple reasons we've been silent. Number one, this is, and it, I, listen, let me pause. The first timers area today, it's for first timers, not for people that want to debate politics. If you want to debate politics, Cole Farlow. <laughs> at my, that's his email address. You can email him. He would love to talk to you about anything that you disagree with in the message, all right? We've, we've basically had two problems, this is a, and this is the first one. This is the first one. People go, well, you know, Pastor P, separation of church and state. I mean, we can't, we can't talk about what's going on in, in the United States because separation of church and state, and, and that, that phrase appears nowhere in the Constitution. It's not there. If you can find it in the Constitution, I'll give you a thousand bucks cash. It's not there. Thomas Jefferson wrote it, but he wrote it to a letter to the Danbury uh, Baptist Convention, and he was actually talking about keeping the government out of the church, not the church out of the government. If you want to just like break that down, not that I'm a his history nerd or anything. But we claim separation of church and state. And we say that God should have nothing to do with politics. I'm gonna tell you, y'all don't want that. Because if you look through history, we've tried it. That experiment has been done. And uh, well, let me just, um, Nazi Germany was God. I mean, politics without God. The Soviet Union under Joseph Stalin where millions of people died, that was politics without God. Paul Potts in Cambodia, that was politics without God. Today, North Korea, for everybody that's thinking about America's a horrible place, let me get you into North Korea. Hang out there for a while, that's politics. That's what you get, famine, murder, and death. That's what you, do you want that? I'm all about that one nation under God. I, I like that phrase. I think we should keep that. In God we trust, that should, we should keep that on the money because that's, that's a good phrase right there. Separation of church and state, it's not, it's not real. It, it's, in fact, I would go as far to say that people, that people that claim that politics have no place in the church actually don't understand what it's like to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. And, and let me pause. I thought this for years. There were years where I wouldn't say hardly anything about politics because if, if you want to know the truth, I was just scared somebody would get offended. But after you get fired and canceled and turn 50, you don't care. Now, the second... The second thing, the second thing is for the scholars that go, well, there are no politics in the Bible. Really? What are you going to do with like Joseph, Moses, David, Esther, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, and Paul, just to name a few? They all had some political involvement, strong political involvement. So the first thing that happened was the church remained silent. The second thing, the, the second thing is there are churches that have just gone woke. And honestly, personally, I just put it out there. I think once you go woke, you're a joke. I don't care if you're a person, a church, or a corporation. Woke means I don't have a spine or a conscience and I want to go along just so I don't offend other people. <laughs> and 
and I don't have a place for that. I, I, I'm, I love people. I love people. I'm about to tell you, I love all kinds of people. I just love people. Even if you're woke, I love you. We just shouldn't talk about wokeness. We should talk about something else that we could like Little Debbie's or something like that. We should talk about that. So today, today what I want to do is I want to, as a church, by the way, when you leave here, there will be no doubt in your mind as to where this church stands. I want, I want you to know what this church stands for. Because, I mean, let's be honest. You know what a lot of churches are against. And I, I don't want to talk about what we're against. I want to talk about what we're for. And I want to talk about why we're for it. Is that okay with y'all? Good, good. Here we go. Number one, we are for living in a great country. But I, like, I want America to be, I want to... <laughs> The other week when the Roe v. Wade thing got overturned, I saw that one of the number one Google searches was how to move from the United States to Canada. And I wanted to respond to every one of those people and go, let me help you. We got our problems. I didn't say we're the perfect country, but I'm for us having a great country. Now, this is where it kind of goes sideways with Christians who say that politics have no place in the church. I'll set it up this way. Several, um, like at the end of the day, we have the freedom in this country. Let me set up this way. I went to lunch with a group of people several years ago at church and we went to Ryan's. How many people remember Ryan's? Yeah, back when it was good back before they got bought out by Buffet of America and started serving the cheap food when they served the good food, right? And one of my buddies went up to the buffet thing and he got one of those little blue plates, you know what I'm talking about? They used to have blue plates that were sectional. They were actually children's plates. And I said, hey man, what are you doing with the child's plate? He said, this ain't a child's plate. Like, bro, I, I wash dishes at Ryan's. I promise you that's a child's plate. He goes, no, it's not. So I called one of the servers over. I said, excuse me, ma'am, is this a, yes, that's a child's plate. That's a child's plate. I said, why are you getting a child's plate? He goes, man, I just don't like my food to touch. I said, why didn't you say that? I still make fun of him because now some of y'all are like that. You don't want your food touching. Anybody like that? You don't like your food touching? Okay, this, yeah, Jesus loves you, but that's weird. You know, but I get it, right? You get the little sectional plate and you got, your, you got your chicken and you got your macaroni and you got your green beans. You don't want the green beans used to getting in the macaroni because it messes up the macaroni and you don't want it getting on the fried chicken. I'm talking Sunday food right here, okay? You don't, want it, you don't want it all mixing up. I'm the opposite. When I go, like I went to, somebody cooked me some food the other night for my birthday and I was trying to see how much I could pile on my plate. I didn't care if it touched. But that's, that's the problem with Christianity is, is we view Christianity, if, if we think that politics has no place in Christianity, then we view Christianity like my friend viewed that child's plate. It's sectional. Let me show you what I mean. We see Christianity like this. This is life. And in life, we have our relationship section and our work section and our thoughts and ideas section and our hobbies and our money and our romance and, and, and I don't know how big these slices of the pie are for you. Some might be bigger than others, but, but this is just a basic chart of what we think life is. And then where we go wrong is we think that when we ask Jesus into our life, that it goes from this to this. So he's a part of our life. So Jesus is, he's in our life, but he's a part of it. And and it, it kind of touches everything, but like Jesus doesn't really impact my thoughts or ideas or my work or my relationships or my romance or my money or my... Now, let me tell you how you can identify this person. They're always freaking out and their life's always falling apart. Because Jesus is a part of their life. But I learned something years ago that absolutely rocked me to the core. Jesus Christ did not die on a cross so he could be a part of our life. Paul said this because he wrote a letter to the church in Colossae. It's 
called the book of Colossians. It's four chapters. And when I saw this, I'm telling you, mind-blowing. Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 through 4. This is what the Apostle Paul said. Think about the things of heaven. Let me pause right there. Paul's going, get a kingdom mindset. Get a kingdom mindset. Jesus said, my kingdom is, is my, my, my king. he talked about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Paul said, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. You died to this life. So that old life that I had put up, you died to that. And your real life is hidden with Christ and God. Now watch this next part. And when Christ, who is your life? Notice something. He didn't say who is in your life. Paul said, if you have said yes to Jesus, Christ is your life. And when Christ, who is your life, is is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So when Christ is our life, this is what it looks like. Jesus reigns over relationships, work, romance, money, hobbies, thoughts and ideas. All this is ruled by Christ. How in the world can somebody who say Christ is their life tell Jesus to stand here while they walk inside a voting booth. Jesus died so he could be Lord over every area of our lives, including our thoughts and our ideas and our mentality that needs to come from Jesus. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, I think our politicians, listen, I am tired. I didn't say this in the first service, but I got to say it in a second because I'm just feeling it right now. I'm tired of politicians being fake religious. Fake religious. Showing up at churches once every two to four years to try to be godly and get some votes. I'm tired. Listen, show me a man or a woman. Doesn't matter. Who understands that their life belongs to Christ is my life. Show me that person. I think that's the person I want as president. That's the person I want in Senate. That's the person I want in Congress. That's the person I want in government. That person. You know why? Because they're going to have a kingdom mindset and they're going to think more about other people than they're going to think about lobbyists putting money in their pockets. Hello. That man, that woman right there, I want, listen, you might be in this room and you might have this burning desire and you're like, I can't be a politician, but be a Christian. Hey, somebody's got to go first. Somebody's got to go first. When the Israelites got captured by the Babylonians and they got put in captivity in Babylon, God spoke to the prophet Jeremiah And he told Jeremiah, tell the Israelites this. He said, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Now, God told them to work for the good of their city and their community. What would he say to us today? He he said, pray to the Lord for it. In other words, listen, for everybody that has slammed our country, if we spent, and I'm, I'm as guilty as sin right here, if we spent half the time praying for our country than we did talking about our country, hello, and pray, pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. In other words, God says, so goes the country, so goes your life. I am for living in a great country. I think that's what we should want as kingdom-minded followers of Jesus Christ, which leads to the next one. We are for the great commandment. Now, some people are like, what's the great commandment? I'm gonna tell you, it's, it's, it's a theological thing, but it, it's, there's, there's a reference point. Let me set it up. Several years ago, I went to 
lunch at the Olive Garden with some friends of mine, not by choice. I would never go to Olive Garden by choice. Now, I know some of you love Olive Garden, but it's overrated. Thank you. But the breadsticks, you can get them at Publix. The salad, overrated. The lasagna, Stouffer's. Hello, I mean, I mean, I, but if you, listen, you do you, boo. If you love Olive Garden, you go to some Olive Garden. I went there because that's where they wanted to go, and I hadn't seen them in a while, so I went and sat down. Have you ever sat down at a table with a couple, and they have just, they have just had a knockdown drag out, and you sit down, and you just kind of feel the tension? I'm not making this up. I sat down. She was looking this way. He was looking this way. So I talked to her. I said, how are you doing? She said, why don't you ask him? Hold that thought. How's she doing? He's like, she's being a... I was like, oh, I'm going to let you tell her that. She's like, I heard that. And so, so I was basically the mediator. Now, they're married. This is a couple. They love each other, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and health. Olive Garden or Ryan's. I mean, they, they, were, they were at the table. But they would talk to me about one another, but they wouldn't talk to each other, which is what we have going on in our political system right now. There are more politicians interested in talking to the media and updating their social media profile than they are actually for working for the good of the people they're supposed to represent. They're going to come after you, P. Have you seen some of our politicians? Do you think I'm scared of any of them right now? But Jesus, Jesus addressed that. He said, listen, I'm not saying you're not going to have disagreements. This is what I, when somebody's like, I was listening to somebody. No, I don't agree with everything they say. Of course you don't. I don't agree with everything I say. (laughs) Have you ever contradicted yourself? You're like, oh my gosh. I did the other week. Somebody showed up, brought some cats. I walked up there and the cats up. I was like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> I don't agree with that statement, but I said it, all right? So that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Now he said this, he said this to his apostles on the night he was crucified. The, the next day he'd be crucified. Same night that he washed the feet. We talked about the feet washing last week. Y'all remember that? He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. And they're all like, oh, God, we got 619 of those already. What's he going to say? Just write it down. Just write it down. We'll add it to the list. But this one, this one, this one was legit. He said, love each other. Well, that's pretty easy. Th- then he made it hard. Just as I have loved you. Oh, man. Did Jesus love unconditionally? Did Jesus love Peter, even though Peter was going to deny him? See, we love to talk about how Jesus loved Peter, even though he was going to deny him. But Jesus also loved Peter enough to tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. Well, that's not very tolerant. Mm. What, What we call tolerance, Jesus would call soft. Oh, y'all aren't ready for that yet, are you? Don't worry, we'll get there. We'll get there. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Then he said this, and this is crazy. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not your protest signs, not the R or the D or the I next to your name, but your love. Can you imagine, can you imagine that people in this community could look at us one day and say, I don't believe what they believe, but I can't get over the way they treat people. They just love people. We're like Jesus. Jesus loved people that were nothing like him. If we're going to be like Jesus, we have to love people that might be nothing like us. Now, this is where I, when people go, well, this, you can't apply this to politics. Jesus did. 
Have you ever looked at the list of Jesus' followers? I want to show you all something. This blew my mind when I saw it. Matthew's listing out the, the followers, and Matthew's kind of into details a little bit. You want to notice this. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. The first, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, son of Zebedee. John, James' brother, like we know these people, but he wants to make sure that we got certain things down. Philip, the golfer. I just make sure y'all paying attention. <laughs> Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. Let me pause real quick. In politics today, we have left wing and the right wing. Am I right? Left wing is more government, more programs. Right wing is like less government, less programs. That's, that's the easy way to set it up. 2,000 years ago, do you know they were left-wing and right-wing people? You know who the most left-wing people in the days of Jesus were? The tax collectors. Tax collectors were big government people. They worked for the government. Can you believe there was a time in the history of the world where there were individuals that would tax the citizens of a nation just so they could put more money in their pockets? We've came so far. Matthew was left-wing. He was a left-winger. He was a liberal. And he was at the table with Jesus. But let's keep going. Matthew, tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot. Okay, zealot. Zealot were right-wingers. Not just, not just right-wing, like extreme right wing. Like you were a good zealot if you, if you killed a tax collector. I'm not making this up. Zealots were like, get the Roman government out of here. We don't need them. So zealots were in extreme right wing. Tax collectors were extreme left wing. And Jesus called both of them to sit at the table. And as they got closer to Jesus, they got closer to each other. And within three years, they didn't have a left-wing or a right-wing mentality. They had a kingdom mentality. And God used these men to change the world. And if he did it then, he can do it again. When, when, and when this happens, when we get close to Jesus and we get close to each other, we stop making, we stop making statements like all, all Democrats are. All Democrats are socialists. Really? Really? You've sat down with every Democrat in America and confirmed with them that they're a socialist. I think you're a liar. But people say that. I heard a preacher recently, it was a viral clip. It was like, oh, if you're, demon, if you're a Democrat, you're demon-possessed. I was like, whoa, 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 easy trigger. <laughs> his life, his church, I, but that, that's, that's when you get, well, all Republicans are. I had somebody tell me the other day, all Republicans are racist. Really? You've talked to every Republican in America, and they've told you? that they're racist, you've been busy. <laughs> See, once you understand that we're all sitting at the same t table with Jesus, we, we get to focus on what we have in common rather than, than our differences. Now for me personally, when it comes to the great commandment, loving other people, I take that seriously. And taking that seriously also includes taking the mandate that God has given me. I take it, one of these days I will stand in front of God and be held accountable for how I led and how I taught. And God said this in Isaiah chapter five, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. It's almost like he's been watching our news headlines. 
who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In other words, loving somebody, loving a group of people is being willing to tell the truth even when it's uncomfortable. For example, Karis, my daughter turns, or she turned 15 a few days ago. 15, 15. She gets to go get her permit. Somebody asked me, how do you feel about that? I said, I feel great. I've been a taxi driver for 15 years. I feel, I feel awesome. But let's say, this is hypothetical. Now, I need to say this is hypothetical because, because this didn't happen because I don't want y'all walking up to Karis going, did you do that? This, it, she did not do that. This did not happen. This is a hypothetical made-up situation. But let's say I'm going to take her out to, to teach her how to drive. Now, we've been driving a few times, and she's done great. She, I've got a big old truck, and she's driving. Baby, you can drive this. You can drive anything. So she's done, she's done great. But let's say that this afternoon we, we go out driving, and I'm in the passenger seat. And if, if you're a parent and you've taught your child how to drive, your prayer life has improved. <laughs> and let's say that Karis and I are driving down the road and I notice, I notice that she's on the left side of the road. And, and we're approaching the interstate. If I love her, what do I do? I, cause, cause the way we define love in our country today, I would have to say, well, she's on the wrong side of the road and I don't, I don't want to say anything to her and I don't want to offend her. I don't want to hurt her feelings. She's living her truth. <laughs> I hate that phrase. Somebody told me that, that I'm living my truth. I was like, the hell with your truth. Because if your truth don't match up with the truth of God's word, that's where that truth came from. It came straight from hell. So the hell with your truth. You cussed, Yahweh. <sighs> She's living her truth. I don't want to offend. No, no, no. That's not love. That's actually hate. Letting her go down a path that's going to get her at best hurt, at worst killed. And me too, because by the way, our sin always affects way more than us. Love is me saying, hey, baby, I, it's not me yelling. It's not me screaming. It's not me protesting. It's having a conversation. Going, I know they do this in other parts of the world. <laughs> but they're backwards. <laughs> but the UK, yeah, we beat them in a the war. Right. Twice. That's, that's love. It's speaking the truth. So let's talk about Roe v. Wade being overturned. I, I don't know about you, but when I heard that the decision had officially been made, I celebrated. This is me personally. This is me personally. Now, I, I got some people upset on social media. Mainly, mainly women that had no children. I had one lady tell me that I did not have a uterus or a vagina, which is true. But because I lacked the parts, I could not have an opinion. I shared with her that the justices that wrote the original Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision in 1973, none of them had a vagina or a uterus. And so if they, if, if you can't carry that logic out to its fullest extent. I celebrate life. I do. 
I'm unapologetic about it. Now, I've, this is, what about the life of the mother? You know what? Always, I would, this is me. I would always choose the life of the mother, always. I would always, I don't go far enough for some people, but I would always choose the life of the mother. What about rape or incest? That, that would be a tough one. But you know what? Let's, let's say, let's say, okay. Let's say, okay. That's less than 2% of the abortions that happen in America. The other 98%, the other 98% are, are, are birth control. And I'm just not for it. I think it's murder. I think it's wrong. Pastor Pete. There are people in our church that have had abortions. I get it. What would you say to them? I'm glad you're here. You're loved. You're forgiven. You're accepted. You're, you're a child of God. I'm glad you're here. I don't ever want to shame anyone, but I will never hold back on speaking the truth because I, I, I love. I, I, I love the fact that more people are going to have the opportunity to have life. Pastor P, what about the transgender issue? I can't believe it's an issue. For me, I, listen, if you're here and you're trans, people say, well, you're just transphobic. No, no, I'm not. not I'm, I'm scared of spiders. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, was it arachnophobia? Yeah, I got that. So if you come at me with a spider, I don't care if you're straight, gay, trans, whatever. I, I will run until I can get, listen, I'm a, I'm a believer in the Second Amendment too. So, so if, I can, if I can get my, I'm not scared. But I believe the Bible says, the Bible clearly teaches, not just in Genesis, but all through the scriptures, the Bible teaches in the beginning, God made man and God made woman. And God does not make mistakes. That's what I believe. Pastor P, I'm struggling. How do I know what I'm supposed to be? Go to the bathroom and look between your legs. It's clear. See, this is the real reason. Like, like, it's like, what, can we get back to that whole trichotomy, dichotomy of the spirit thing? I'm getting uncomfortable right now. <laughs> that's, that's, now, now, if you're here and you're trans, or you're wrestling with gender dysphoria, or, or you're struck, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm, I am glad you're here. I want you in this church every single week. I am thankful for you. You, I, I, I don't, listen, I don't have time to look down on you because of all the crap in my closet, okay? I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you that the, that the issues that are, people are talking about today and making a big deal, God made it very clear. And if God said it in scripture, that's what I got to declare from this stage. Even if it hurt, I would rather hurt you. Let me talk about that for a second. Because one of the ladies Oh my God, social media, I, I got off of it for about 48 hours and it was the best 48 hours of my life. Because <laughs> I had somebody say, well, if you're gonna force woman to have a baby, then, we, then what, what is this nation gonna do? We need to have government-assisted kindergarten, government-assisted this, had a list of government-assisted stuff if you're gonna bring a baby. And I thought about my grandma who had eight babies. She had eight babies. She weighed 78 pounds. Five foot two. My grandpa was six foot seven. They had eight babies. No government assistance. No, in a house about 1,400 square feet. Ray, you know what? She, she had something called Responsibility. Hey, hey, think about it for a second. Our grandparents and our great-grandparents didn't expect government handouts. 
They had children and they raised them for the most part in godly homes. And those children actually went and stormed the beaches of Normandy and fought for our country. And many of them bled and died. They didn't expect a handout. And today we've raised a generation that couldn't storm the beaches of Normandy because they're too busy being upset because somebody called them a name on Twitter. Listen, as somebody who has been called a name on Twitter before, yes, that hurts. But I would much rather have be called a name on Twitter than have somebody punch me in the face. That hurts. I'm triggered. No, you're not triggered. You're spoiled. I, trust me. I know what triggered is. Triggered is a deep-seated emotional issue. It's not they got my, they got my Starbucks order wrong. Are we okay? I just, I just love y'all. Even if we don't see eye to eye on any issue, I'm glad you're at this table because I'm convinced if we don't see eye to eye, you know what I'm convinced of? I can learn a lot from you. And I don't have time to yell at you because I'm too busy focused on this next thing which is we are for the Great Commission as a church. How many of y'all, how many of y'all been watching Stranger Things? Raise your hand, come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand, come on, raise it high, raise it high. Yeah, me too. I'm on season four right now. I watched episode one of season four last night and was scared to death. That thing at the end, I got guns all over my bedroom. I'm scared to death. <laughs> what that thing was. I started watching Stranger Things because, you know why I watched it? I wasn't cruising Netflix and thought, Stranger Things, that looks interesting. 47 people told me, you got, you watch Stranger Things? Nope, you got to watch that. All right. We, we tell people about stuff we like. Am I right? For example, y'all, this new place right down the road, Cookie crumble. <laughs> It'll change your life. I had people tell me about it. They said, have you been to cookie crumble? I'm like, nah, I ain't going to no cookie crumble. I said, it's a cookie. It can't be that good. Y'all remember when we had the cookie store over in the mall, the Great American Chocolate Chip? It was overrated. It was like, you could, Pillsbury was better than that. I was like, it's a cookie. My God, how good could it be? So a friend of, a friend of mine went and got like several cookies for the staff. He came in. I was like, man, you got some cookies. He's like, yeah, when you go in that place, you better take your credit card because they are proud of their cookies. I said, well, all right, let me, I'm going to try one. So I got one that had some kind of, it's like a pan, it's called a pancake cookie or something, maple stuff. And I took a bite, oh my, my taste bud spoke in tongues. <laughs> give me a cookie, 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 give me a cookie. Give me a cookie. I, was, I was on, I was on roll. I was like, these things are like crack. <laughs> I don't know what crack is like. I've never... I did see a suggestion the other day with gas prices being so high, if they make crack legal, we could just run everywhere and we'd get a lot more. Anyway, so I, this cookie was amazing. It tasted like a cookie married a cupcake and had a baby. That's what it tasted like. This, it, I'm telling y'all, it's worth the hype. I don't get a cut either. If you go and buy a cut, don't, like, I don't, I'm just telling you, it was amazing. But the only reason I tried it is because I had so many people tell me it was so good. It's like that. That's what we're supposed to do with the message of Jesus. It is, we're supposed to tell people outside these walls about who Jesus is 
and what he has done and what he can do in their life and the chains he can break and the prisons he can set people free from. We are called, I am for the Great Commission because I believe as people meet Jesus, when Jesus is at the center, our life has the potential to get better period, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. I don't care if you were born in a church or you were born in a bar. Jesus Christ loves you, can change your life and wants you to become more than you could possibly imagine. That's the message that we're supposed to champion. Jesus Christ. Because if Jesus gets into our lives and changes our hearts and minds and we become who he wants us to be, this community gets better, period. So, so the great commission is a passage of scripture. The great commandment is John 13, verses 34 and 35. The great commission, most people would say, is found in Matthew 20, 28, verses 18 through 20, which is partially true. Because there's a great commission verse at the end of every gospel. So I was always told when you're reading the Bible and you see something once, it's important. If you see it over and over and over again, it's very important. So Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus tells his followers this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And Paul's right there. I gotta go back to that. He's got, we learned it as kids, the whole world in his hands. Gas prices, inflation, war. He's got the whole world in his hands and he's got a plan. It's greater than our plan. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go, another, go in my authority. If we're walking in his authority, we, will walk, we are walking in victory. I'll talk more about that next week. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said he'll never leave us. A political party will abandon you. Jesus will not. The only thing that Jesus ever walked away from was an empty tomb. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. At the end of Luke chapter 24, verse 48, he said, you are witnesses of these things. These things meaning the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In John 20, 21, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And part of that is you will go out and tell people about who I am. Can you imagine what would happen if we took the Great Commission seriously? Because I can, I've thought about it. Can you imagine a community where it, where we didn't have drug overdoses because people weren't trying to numb themselves with a substance that could kill them. Instead, they understood they were valued by God and by people. Can, can you imagine a community where people didn't have to struggle with sin in secret because there was actually a place where they could show up and admit I don't have my stuff together. Instead of pushing them out, people would draw them in and accept them. And Jesus, over time, could change them from who they are to who they need to be. Can you imagine a community like that? Can you imagine a community where people didn't struggle with addiction because the chains of addiction got snapped on people's lives? Can you imagine a community where depression and anxiety were things that people could actually overcome and didn't have to say, I'm depressed or I'm anxious. They could say, I was depressed and I was anxious, but I met a man named Jesus. And when I met Jesus, he 
set me free from the chains that the devil tried to put on me. He set me free from the enemy. He set me free from the bondage that people tried to put me under. And I'm a brand new person in him. I am chosen, I am free, I am loved, I am accepted, I am who he says I am. That's what we're for, that's what we want, that's what we're gonna sing for, that's what we're gonna pray for. Jesus, I just wanna thank you that that is true, that there's a place, there's a place for us in your house. When heads bowed and eyes closed right now, maybe God spoke to you in this message and maybe, maybe your thought pattern for years has been Christ is a part of my life. And today it needs to be Christ is my life. Jesus, Jesus, I don't want, I don't want you to be a category in my life. I want you to be my entire life. Maybe you've been convicted over how you treated somebody of a different political persuasion. Or maybe, maybe today you realize that you need Christ to come in your life to be your life. You need to give your life to Jesus. And if that's you and you're here today or you're watching online, I want you to pray this prayer with me right where you stand right now. I just want you to pray in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just asked Christ to come in your life, if you just asked Jesus to be your life, I want you to put your hand straight up in the air and hold it up in the air because I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Looking around the room looking online at the emojis, amen, amen. Father, I wanna thank you for these hands in the air. I wanna thank you for these people that have given their life to you. Father, I pray that as they leave today, they would walk out of this place knowing they're brand new, fully loved by you. Father, I pray for every single person in this room today. Jesus, that we would take your great commandment seriously. God, that we would take your great commission seriously. That we would see people the way you see people and love people the way you love people. Jesus, thank you for loving us. We ask this in your name. Everybody that agreed said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too. Y'all have a great week. Happy 4th. We'll see y'all next Sunday. 